0: What's up guys? Welcome back to the EPL Lounge. Your host Josh, joined again by Serge. Serge, let's do it all again. It's Premier League time at last. Looking forward to it, Josh. Feels uh another international break. Feels like another month off of football, but... Finally on the horizon, and not long now till match day 9 gets underway. Uh, plenty to get through today. We won't do the winners and losers from match day 8, but we will look at the... Biggest achievers and biggest disappointments so far of the season, and then we'll get into breaking down this weekend's action as well, and then our jersey giveaway, which is so close to finally being given away. Goodness me, I really hope someone wins it this week. By the way, I, I, I have a
1: feeling, Josh, this this is the week. This is the week. Someone's <laughs>
0: going to pick it has up. Has to be this week, please. But uh, we'll get into more detail for that later in the show. Let's start things off, I guess, with a quick little recap of the season so far. I mean, eight games, a decent enough sample size, I think, to get an understanding of exactly where team's lying right now and the form that we expect from them, I guess, heading in towards that congested Christmas period in a couple months. But having a look at the table, having a look at the teams, the results so far, let's start with the biggest achievers and who's impressed you the most in the opening eight weeks of the season.
1: Well, Josh, you're going to be very happy with me for this one, but um, I I find it impossible to look past Liverpool in Uh, this slot.
0: Yeah, it is. (laughs) is. I'm glad that you said it and that I don't have to bring it up, but yeah, go on, Um, Serge, please. (laughs) Yeah, look, I'm going to be
1: honest with you, and uh, we discussed this at the start of the season. I did anticipate a, a drop in intensity, not just Liverpool, but Man City as well. I didn't think that they were capable of hitting the heights that they did last season. But to be honest with you, the season thus far has forced me to revise that opinion. You know, Liverpool just as hungry, just as dynamic, uh, just as clutch in the moments where they need something special to, to, to lift them up when they're not playing their best. And that's something that City have lacked emphatically in in my opinion and in yeah. some cases that has been the difference and look the record speaks for itself eight matches played eight straight wins um they don't look like they're going to start letting out points and um you know all over the park that team is impressive it's really difficult to um to, to point to one player that that is carrying that team um, yeah. whereas in past seasons you might have said Salah last season you know Van Dyck is particularly crucial but um you know I really think that team is, is is capable of winning um with with changes to their lineup on a week-to-week basis and you know I can can, can see them continuing to pick up points um, at this rate not Three points a game for the entire season yeah but i think they're going to come awfully close to last season's total if not if not surpass it
0: yeah and look i guess the scary thing is that they're only going to get better now with allison back this weekend and yep. you know there was some big question marks when he went down whether they'd be able to, I guess, maintain the level of play and and pick up maximum points each week in his absence, given the impact that he had on the squad last season. And you know, we saw numerous times where he essentially won them games on his own with some crucial saves, not just in the Premier League, but in the Champions League as well. And fair play to Adrian. I think he has stepped up terrifically well, but obviously the golfing class between the two is... You can't compare them. Yeah, absolutely. And having him back this week is just going to bolster that squad as a whole. They have, I guess, to an extent, been blessed. I mean, it's only been eight games, but they've been blessed with the fact they haven't been hit too hard with injuries. That's true, yeah. Whereas, you know, the likes of City and you know your likes of United, to a further extent, certainly have. And I think healthy bodies is always key to a Premier League run. You're always going to have injuries, but it comes down to when you get them and exactly who it is that goes down at any given time. But uh, look, you know a motivator, the quality
1: of Klopp is going to take this team and he's going to say, look, with your second string keeper, you've got the best defensive record yes, in the league. Like, that's right. How much better are we going to get now that we have Alisson
0: back? Exactly right, yeah. And and look, the, the I think the biggest... Uh, test for them is obviously going to be this next month of football. You know, They've got United at Old Trafford this weekend. They've then got Tottenham. They've then, in a couple of weeks, got City. So, they, three of the next four games are against very tough sides. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't say United is necessarily a tough side, but the fixture, you know, given the tradition and history behind it, will make it an interesting fixture, if nothing else. Yeah
1: absolutely you know typically we do see a bit of a um a a derby psychology in that sort of game and uh you know man united you would expect them to lift their game although what we've seen from them so far this season uh we don't even know if they're capable of that
0: anymore exactly yeah and you know that that game against city in it's four weeks time now or three weeks time now four match days time but um if the gap going into that game is still eight points and City don't pick up all three in that, how much of an advantage do you think that puts Liverpool for the rest of the season?
1: Absolutely huge. And look, to be honest with you, normally I wouldn't say that this early because, you know, in seasons past, we have seen, you know, eight-point gaps, ten-point gaps, twelve-point gaps overturned Um, coming into Christmas, January, February yeah. even. Um you know, the most famous example is obviously Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. Yeah. Um I think they were twelve points ahead um coming into January. Uh but look, this is a different era. There's a different quality of teams and Liverpool, you know, the quality of this side and you know what they've shown us, they're not going to be dropping uh eleven points. Yeah. You know, City they will need to pick up three points in that fixture. Um if they want to stay in the title race. Yeah. I don't think they can afford to go 11 behind and I I don't think that they can afford a point from that game because, um, you know, the psychological advantage for Liverpool would would be huge. Yeah,
0: if the gap is eight points going into that fixture, I think we see a very different Liverpool versus Man City game than what we've seen in probably the last three or four meetings between the sides, which have been a a little bit cagier and, I guess, a little bit more reserved, especially from... City, given Guardiola's emphasis on not wanting to allow Liverpool to be so expansive on the counter, yeah. But if if they have to press for it, then yeah, we we should be in for a hell of a game then. Yeah,
1: I mean the the risk with that sort of game. I know we're we're speaking a little bit too soon because it is yeah. weeks away and anything could happen between exactly. now and then. This is the Premier League, but it, you know it's a similar sort of situation to their second fixture last season where Liverpool were well ahead. I think it was seven points. Seven at the time. points. Yeah, yeah. And. um... You know, the dynamics were very similar where City had to win. And what I found in that game was that Liverpool played too defensively and too cautiously, knowing in the back of their mind that one point would serve them so well in yeah, that fixture. And I agree. It, if that is same situation going into this game, it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, they've learned their lesson yeah. and um, they might have to be a little bit more aggressive and put City on the back foot because, you know, this Liverpool team in particular and their style, they're able to do it so well.
0: Yeah. Let's uh, let's leave that there. We'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about <laughs> as that game gets closer. Uh, my biggest achievement, I have to say Leicester. That's fair. Uh, you know, the 14 points after eight games, sitting fourth, they've not exactly had the easiest fixture list either. You know, they've had to go to Sheffield United, which we've spoken about. Bramble Lane's not going to be the easiest place to go. They've gone to Anfield. Yep. They've gone to Old Trafford. They're still sitting in that top four and looking very deserving, I think, of that status. And I genuinely believe that, again, if they're able to negate any serious injuries or long-term injuries to some of their key players, they're a team that I expect to pick up enough points to be in that top four come the end of the season. I definitely think they're going to be in
1: top four contention come come the end of the season the way this team's playing they will challenge for that spot and I, I think they have the capability to to break into it um look you know who can deny them after uh it wasn't so long ago that uh you know they had a much worse squad and they ended up winning the league
0: yeah so, and, and they've gone to stanford bridge as well by the way i should have added that yeah, one yeah. as well so like a a very difficult fixture list when you take all things into consideration and yet the second best defensive record in the league and Looking yeah. looking at as balanced a squad, I think, as any other outside the top two. You know, I think you can make the argument, you know, they might feel um, hard done
1: by not being the first team to take points off Liverpool in that game, depending on whether or not
0: you thought that was a penalty. I, I'm sure they'll feel aggrieved and, and you know, it, it'll hurt in its own way. I, I yeah. Look, I, I still maintain that the result... Irrespective of how it came about, and you know the circumstances surrounding it, the result was justified. Yeah. Because for me, Liverpool were that much better on the day than Leicester. I mean, Leicester had one shot on goal all game, uh, and you know Liverpool created more than enough. But yeah, circumstantially, I think, I think that'll hurt them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, in that sort of situation, you know, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Yes, Liverpool, like for me, over the course of the ninety minutes, they did play them off the park, but they should have put them away yeah. earlier on in that game and yeah. they almost got punished for it. But as we said, um, clutch in the moments that really matter, Liverpool are managing to deliver. Yeah. And, you know, we saw that so often from uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United in particular, and uh, it served them very well <laughs> over the
0: decades. <laughs> uh, also want to mention Crystal Palace, I think, for one of my biggest achievers. That's uh, very fair. I know you you liked them pre-season you had them in the handicap market actually I did I did I, I'm liking that one Yeah uh 14 points themselves as well so equal fourth I think the most impressive part of their run at the moment is how they're picking up points despite what for me is a very thin and lackluster squad as a whole I still don't believe they have any genuine you know top half talent up front uh, I use in a, a nice little run of form But I don't believe he's someone who can keep it up for a full season We've spoken about the shadow of a player that Benteke's come yep. In the last couple of seasons You know, they'll always rely heavily on Wilfred Zaha Kind of being able to pull or create something out of nothing Outside of that, I mean, you know There's, there's not a lot particularly going forward That 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 this team has to offer They are very well set up defensively and I guess that that comes with being a Roy Hodgson managed team. Yeah. Uh, and I think they'll continue to be resolute at the back all season, and that'll I guess be the catalyst for them being able to pick up points. But you know, after eight games, I'm sure if you offered them fourteen points, they'd have snatched your hand off.
1: Yeah. Look, absolutely. They've had a um a, an absolutely fantastic start to the season, and you know in particular they've shown some moxie away from home and um, yeah. they're one of those teams with that style that can um punish big clubs away from home and you know they have a track record of doing so and look we saw them do it in the most recent round against West Ham yeah um they would have gone into that game big underdogs you know as we said West Ham have had a really um a really great start to the season themselves yeah. and that's a big scalp
0: for for palace and especially going one nil down yeah yeah you, I didn't give them any hope watching that game to come back and I thought maybe they could snatch a point if with a bit of luck but I certainly didn't give them a chance of picking up all three
1: yeah and no I completely agree with you um, about the squad too it's um, it, it's not your strongest squad um, but you know I've spoken highly of Hodgson um, this, this style of team this point in the table he knows how to get the most out of them he knows how to set them up in particular away from home and you know they're not particularly weaker um, compared to last season when they yeah. ended up with, with 50 points that's true so.
0: yeah. yeah that is true uh, any other impressive standouts for you or should we just get into ripping apart the flailing performers
1: uh, I'm really hungry to uh, to rip apart the <laughs> the. Um...
0: let's do it let's talk the biggest disappointments <laughs> to start this season uh, I'll let you go first since you're uh, biting at the bit biggest disappointment yeah. so far this season
1: I'm going to go Manchester United. And I know it feels like I continue to pick on them, but I feel like I don't have a choice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What what is it? Is it six points in their last seven games now? After the
1: opening game? Six points in their last seven games, but... You go back even further than that, we've got 17 points in their last 17 games under Solskjaer. Yeah. That's just That's a point a game. That is relegation form. Yeah. And that's not a, a small sample of game. That's half a season. Yeah. Well, minus two games. Half a season, relegation form. You know, this has to be the worst half a season um, in me- recent Manchester United
0: memory. Oh, yeah. Um. And then, look, I mean, I'm sure as hell I'm not one that wants to make excuses for them. They are, unfortunately, going through a situation where they are almost decimated with injuries at the minute. Yeah. And, you know, part of me says maybe they get everyone back and they can kind of work things out. But at the same time, it's, you know, they kind of brought this upon themselves by not reinforcing properly in the summer, which we all knew they should have done. And they didn't do, um, but you know something I saw the other day. I mean, did you know Marcus Rashford won Manchester United's goal of the month last month, and it was because it was the only goal they scored, and it was a penalty.
1: That that is uh, that is humiliating for Manchester United.
0: <laughs> so I think that that in itself wow. sums up the past month of football for them. Um, yeah, they they, they continue to struggle to to juggle two competitions. The Europa League is a huge distraction for them, yeah, Uh, and it's going to be a big concern should they go through. I think you know, they it's honestly in their best interest to not go through, uh, you know, which is very possible, even if they try right now, they can't score to save their lives, but um. You know, I I kind of wanted to put them in there as well. But a part of me at the same time was never expecting much from this squad based on what we saw at the back end of last season. And so I, I guess it's hard for me to say. I don't know if I'm surprised and disappointed or if, you know, maybe they are a lot worse than even I anticipated. I, I can't tell.
1: Well, I did... Look, I did tip um, Solskjaer to be the first manager fired this season, and I can't believe he still has a job. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care how many injuries they have. Uh, they're not the only club that is going through an injury crisis or has gone through an injury crisis. When we talk about the last 17 games, we're talking about the last six or seven months. Yeah. And, you know, it, it their, their form is really unforgivable. I think everything that can be said about this team has been said by us in recent weeks. So, you know, I do feel like I'm picking on them to an extent, but I think it's completely justified. And I think, you know, even the the Man United fans, the ones that were around in the Sir Alex Ferguson era, they have to be looking at this team now, Um, you know, almost a decade on from yep. Ferguson as manager and thinking, what have we done? We are continually regressing. Like, we thought David Moyes was bad. Yeah. Look where we are now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll ask you this. If Liverpool go to Old Trafford and absolutely put them to the sword, yeah. does Solskjaer still have a job next week?
1: I'm going to say yes because I don't know how he has a job now. Honestly, if it was up to me... like I know we've made we've discussed the finances of this and yes, it yeah. would cost that club an awful lot of money... To get rid of Solskjaer, but it cost them a lot more to be this terrible in yeah. the long run. Yeah. And, you know, that's not, not me just trying to, um, to to exaggerate or be funny. It literally cost them millions of dollars um, for each league position that yeah. they don't in. If they don't qualify for the Champions League, that's $60 million, $80 million, Not yeah. to mention, you know, the cost of them as a brand. Um, you know, they have such a global profile and it's still strong because of the, the history of the club. But if they continue to suck this badly, no one in China or Japan is going to want to buy their uh, jersey anymore (laughs) or anywhere else in the world for that matter.
0: Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Look, I I still maintain that he's not going to get sucked Uh, and completely agree with you because he shouldn't even be there now. But just based on this season's form alone, like completely irrelevant to what
1: we saw at the back end of last season. And, you know, again, like again, we've spoken about the owners. You, you can't, as an owner of a football club, you can't be half pregnant. Either Solskjaer is your man, you back into the hill, or you're not. And it's clear in the summer, this is the richest club in the world. They haven't backed him. They haven't really given him the, the resources to really build up this squad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you look at that squad, obviously they've got the most expensive player in the UK, in Paul Pogba. He's been a massive disappointment for them. Yeah. Um, you know, the, sol- the, the owners, they have to make a decision right now because um, this season is going to slip away from them. And, you know, even the position that they're in now, if, if they get things right, they can qualify for the Champions League. And that has to be the goal of this club. It has to be their ambition.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, as bad as they've been, they've only got to make up five points to exactly. get to that top four. And then I guess the flip side of that is they're only two points above the bottom three as well. So they're kind of on, the, uh, on a nice edge right now in, in terms of exactly what type of season it's going to be for them.
1: And they're yeah. hosting the league leaders, so it's probably not going to get better for them in the uh, very short term. Exactly
0: right, exactly right. Uh, for me, my biggest disappointment, I have to say Tottenham. That's very thin. Uh Just because... Yeah. You know, we spoke in pre season and we I I know we both did and I know many, many other people had them penned in as clearly the third best team in the Premier League. Yep. And right now they're clearly not. And they have a lot of issues to work out if they want to finish the season in that in that third position and you know, even in the top four for that matter. And again, we've spoken about Pochettino potentially being unhappy and the impact that has on the squad and, you know, the fact that they are very much a team that I think mirrors, you know, their performances mirror whatever it is that Pochettino's feeling and the situation that he's going through with that team. And, you know, I think that'll kind of fix itself in the coming months. Uh, It could go the complete opposite way, especially come that Christmas time and January period where you start looking at the transfer market again and, you know, he's already made it clear that he has no control over any of that whatsoever. Yeah. Um. And, you know, the circumstances, I think, surrounding the squad as a whole, you know, the likes of Christian Eriksen, Jan Vertonghen, contracts expiring at the end of this season. Yes. That's very, very short time in turn term- when you're looking at, you know... Uh, a sports players contract and come the end of January, they're more than welcome to negotiate with whoever the hell they want for next season. And neither of those players show any signs of signing long-term with the club. So trying to sell them in January is gonna be almost impossible because teams are just gonna, what are they gonna pay for a player that they could potentially get for free in six months anyway? So I think that they've got a lot of issues to work out. They have a lot of issues to work out in their squad in general. I think they, they still need to work out what their best eleven is. I still yeah. don't think they've quite nailed that, um, especially in that midfield. You know, aside from Christian Eriksen, I, I don't know who, who else deserves a starting spot. You got guys like Deli Ali who, they've just completely fallen off a cliff. I mean, yeah. you know, he he's someone who's his career genuinely is up in the air right now because that's someone who I think we all two seasons ago were expecting to become England's next great midfielder and now we're looking at him thinking, you know, he he's someone I could end up, I could see in a couple of years' time signing for a West Ham and finishing, you know, playing his whole career in a mid-table team and everyone completely forgetting about him, really. So... A lot to work out for Spurs and for me easy easily the biggest disappointment so far this season and I don't know how long it'll take them to work it out.
1: Look, I think you're right there when you say that Pochettino is the key to the success of this squad and you know, as we've sort of said in, in recent weeks, I do think that if Pochettino goes, everything he has built at Tottenham will crumble. And, um, you know, not just the guys that you mentioned that um, will be out of contract soon. I think the star players, they're not going to stick around. Um, you know, guys like um, Harry Kane, um, Ericsson, obviously. Um, as you've mentioned, Vertonghen.
0: Um, I mean, there's even rumors that Son could be on his way out. Like, he, you know, the fact that his agent has even come out and suggested that they would be intrigued by an offer from Napoli is not good.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, that doesn't surprise me and, you know, Pochettino is is clearly not happy and it's going to be up to um, the Tottenham board to turn that around if they want to turn around the fortunes mm. of the club and, you know, Daniel Levy is a very, very um, hard character. And <laughs>
0: yeah, I, yeah, that's, a,
1: that's a very polite way of saying it. I, I, I do think there is some friction there and um, I, I don't know how it gets better. So, yeah, no, I think Tottenham is a very fair call and we might see things getting getting worse for them before they get better.
0: Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me either. The other one I have to mention as well is Everton. Seven points, sitting 18th after, you know, another summer where they've spent a large sum of money where the expectation was that you know, they were the team that's supposed to be where Leicester is right now. Yeah. That was essentially the expectation of them coming into the season, not just from the fans, but I think from a lot of our neutrals and from a lot of analysts as well. They, they firmly expected them to be the team to really make the jump and pressure that top six. And rightly so, you know, given the money that's been spent on that squad once again and given the talent that was already there and was established. Now... I know that I said that I didn't believe that they would be that team just because I don't believe in Marco Silva, but they sh- like I said, they should not be 18th right now on seven points after eight games. It's as simple as that. And this weekend's clash with West Ham is, as silly as it sounds, it's huge for them at home. Yeah,
1: look, I'm not going to say that I'm tipping them for relegation because I do think that they will pull themselves out of this but yeah. having said that what we've seen so far this season you know I think I have seen stranger things happen than a team of Everton's quality being relegated um, it, it is not inconceivable that they could go down and you know this is how it starts um, they've had a shocking start to the season morale is low um, Marcos Silva you know is perhaps lost the faith of some of the players uh, but you,
0: you know, he must have by now
1: yeah yeah I'm, I'm not too sure what's going on there but um, you know definitely one of the, the biggest underachievers uh, in the league you know four straight losses at this stage yep. it's, um, it, it, it's embarrassing for a club of that stature and you know you look at the last two decades of football you know going back to when Moyes first took over the club um, they're basically the most stable mid-table team <laughs> yeah. in the league yeah. Um they're just guaranteed to finish, you know, not top four, but the top half of the table yeah. season after season. And you know, the the couple of seasons that they didn't, um under Martinez, you know, they were there or thereabouts and they never looked, they were never in trouble the way they are
0: now. Yeah. So um exactly. And uh worth noting as well, the bookie's favorite to replace Marco Silva is now David Moyes. Wow. <laughs> Make that what you will, but um, wow. look, I tell you now, if they, don't, if they don't win this weekend, I don't think Marco Silva has much longer. They're, they can't afford to, to keep a manager who, like you said, he, he may have already lost some of that dressing room, and yeah. anything but three points at home this weekend would just magnify all the issues at the club right now.
1: Look, clubs going back to their old managers that's another uh, that, that that that's another discussion for another podcast <laughs> but um, that that is always always strikes me as strange it know? wouldn't
0: it, I don't uh, think I don't, it'd be the worst appointment I mean look, wouldn't he, have ever left if it wasn't for United like if it wasn't such a big job let's not forget at the time that was probably the biggest managerial job in England or in Europe for that
1: matter look he, he did an absolutely fantastic job at Everton and I don't think he could have taken that Team any further than yeah. what he did, you know, he got them into the well. He got them into fourth place, he but did, he yeah. missed out on Champions League qualification. The qualifier, I well,
0: thought. no, they they still played the qualifier and lost the qual. Yeah. yeah, so they yeah. made the third round qualifier, and I think they lost to Villarreal or whatever. So they never actually made it to the group stages, yeah. but yeah, they did finish top four. So um, you know that
1: that's a fantastic accomplishment, and the the stability that he had with them, you know, they were guaranteed top eight um every yeah every season e- every yeah. season. So having said that, um you know, this is, a, this is a different time now and uh, lightning doesn't strike twice. I don't yeah. see him immediately coming in and, you know, the board will expect him to bring yeah, his that team back success, to, to where yeah. it was. But um, it, it doesn't quite work like that. And um, to answer your question, you know, I think he reached a point where he did need a different challenge. I don't think he could have yeah. taken Everton any further. Um, you know, fantastic that it was... Um, you know, Man United and Alex Ferguson was retiring, he was a fellow Scotsman and he got recommended and, and all that sort of thing. It just the, the timing was just perfect. Yeah. But uh, I think that if another similar opportunity came along, um it was time for him to, to consider
0: his options. That's fair. That's fair. Anyone else you want to hammer for disappointing this season or are you just happy to lay it on United? No, I'm I'm gonna go um I'm gonna go with
1: their their noisy neighbours. <laughs> so, uh, and this is a controversial one because obviously Man Man City are sitting second in the table. Yeah. Um. So look at at a glance, uh, they're not doing too badly. Yeah. You know you're second in the table. However, when you look at the the quality, um, that this squad possesses, and you look at you know what Guardiola has built, and you look at the fact that you know we've we've talked about a two horse race, and still look, it looks like it is going to be a two horse race. Yeah. But we're eight games in, and there are eight points off the pace. That is a, a very, very significant um, points total at this stage of the season. And when you've got a team like Liverpool that is not going to drop many points over the course of the season, um, so look, you know, I think they've been extremely underwhelming. And you know, we make the comparison to last season. Yes, they dropped points against some weaker teams, and they still eventually won the league. Um, this season, it, it's a unique situation for me for the reason that, you know, they're not... They didn't lose games in the same manner that they did. Like, they've yeah. thoroughly been outplayed and they've deserved um, to drop points in those two fixtures against lower label, lower, sorry, pardon me, lower table opposition. And, um, you know, the Wolves game in, in particular, they had a really oh, yeah. bad first half. They should have gone down. They were lucky to... to you know, to be in the game as they were. Absolutely, yeah. And they didn't recover and um, they weren't really much better in in the second half. Yes, there was a bit of a flurry after they went down and they got a bit desperate. But on the whole, um, you know, we spoke about their defence being poor and that's understandable because they've lost Laporte and they've got so many injuries there. But, you know, if I'm Guardiola and I'm looking at this team, I'm concerned um, primarily about the lack of consistency in... In attack and just being inventive in that, that final third of the pitch.
0: Especially because, when De Bruyne is not on the field. There you go. I mean, like
1: that, that, is, that is the, the key element, yeah. really. Like, both games, they've really missed yeah. De Bruyne. And, you know, we, we've discussed this in previous podcasts, but I think it's very true and it, it's even more evident now. Yes, they didn't have De Bruyne all of last season, but this season, now that they do have him, yeah. you know, they're learning, they're, they're, they're moulding their games to, to play with him in the team. So when he just suddenly drops out... They're unable exactly. to, um, to to pick up that burden. And, you know, you look at someone like David Silver, you know, this is the worst I've ever seen him play for Man City. I think this is the worst um, worst form he's ever been in. Um, you know, having said that, he has been one of their best players over the last decade. He very rarely has bad games. exactly um, Just really struggling to, um, to, to carve teams open. I, I don't know what it is. You look at the personnel and they should be creating a lot more than they are, but... Very very concerning for Guardiola.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> it is a funny one because you, I guess it's hard to say a team's disappointed when they're sitting, you know, comfortably second in the league after eight games. But, yeah, I think just given that, you know, any regression. That we expected from either of the top two. I mean, it was always expected that it would be Liverpool who suffered more than City. Yeah. and i guess to see them dropping points so early and in the man like you said in the manner that they have done is probably the the m- most concerning part of you know their opening couple of months and you know an interesting quote as well from Pep Guardiola this yeah. is not recent this is from years gone by but he once wrote league titles are won in the last eight games but they are lost in the first eight yeah. Two or three points behind, four at most, is all any team can afford at the end of the first eight games.
1: Well wow. I I bet he uh he regrets saying that now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to uh I'd love to have someone bring that up and ask him his thoughts on his own quote. <laughs> Look,
1: um you know this is the Premier League and uh anything can happen. Um but as we've said as we've discussed earlier on in this podcast you know this game against Liverpool just has uh, renewed significance for Man City and Guardiola Yeah, they really need to pick up the three points um if they're going into that game um and pick with, up all the three it, points up it, until that game it's oh yeah absolutely probably like, more
0: important I think
1: the, look the way they're playing um you know, uh, after the Norwich game, it was kind of like, okay, that was a way, that was an aberration. This game was at home. Yeah. They they were thoroughly outplayed on their home soil. So, yeah. You know that that argument of their, um, you know, fortress Eddie had is, uh, it, it no longer holds any weight.
0: Yeah. With that, let's get into looking at match day Nine now and the weekend's action. Always tough, I guess, coming out of an international break, uh, to really get it a proper gauge on what to expect from teams particularly those who had numerous players away on international duty but that first game up to kick things off Everton West Ham like we said hugely important for Everton uh they're paying 2 dollars here i i personally wouldn't touch this game from a betting market just because you know i i don't believe in Everton right now and West Ham i think You know, we saw, I guess, the bad side of West Ham in that game against Crystal Palace, where they uh, threw away all three points. So, coming out of an international break, I don't know what to expect from either side. Obviously, the pressure is certainly more so on the home side. And I think maybe the advantage is slightly their way as well here, but no opinion from me.
1: I'll I'll, I'll make a prediction. I'll go uh, West Ham victory here.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see them um, piling the pressure on. I, I can. That's the thing. They're they're more than capable of going and picking up the three points. And I think if you wanted to play value in this game, you absolutely take West Ham at four dollars. They're, in my opinion, they're better than a twenty five percent chance of winning this game. Yeah. Um, I probably would expect goals as well at both ends of the pitch. Especially if we see a West Ham goal early in the first half. It'll just completely open this game up. But I think a lot of it's going to come down to, if you want to bet this game, you probably want to just, you want to wait to see the lineups. You want to see what Marco Silva's going to play. I've spoken about it and banged on about it time and again on this podcast. He has to start his best team. He has to start playing Moise Keane. He has to start playing that front three of Keane, Richarlison and Iwobi, who for me are the most threatening going forward. Uh, and, you know, with the pressure, I guess, where it is right now, he might finally cave in, especially coming off an international break where they've had that extra time to prepare together. Yep. We might finally see that trio from the start. But if we don't, I, I certainly would, wouldn't would mind a bite at West Ham at those, those odds. Yeah,
1: I, I think it is, as you said, one of those games where uh, anything can happen on the day. Yeah. Um, so n- not a game I would um, necessarily want to touch myself
0: yeah uh, I look at the cluster of uh, what is 1am games now our time Aston Villa Brighton an interesting one Bournemouth Norwich could be a fun game to watch uh, Chelsea Newcastle Leicester Burnley Tottenham Watford Wolves Southampton a lot of intriguing fixtures I think for their own rights there but Certainly one that stands out that Tottenham Watford game, given the circumstances around both clubs right now, Tottenham really yeah. obviously need to work things out <laughs> as soon as possible and uh, I don't think we really need to explain what's going on at Watford but yeah they're a team who just cannot afford to keep dropping points anymore so you know I guess from a betting perspective it's it's tough I, I certainly wouldn't take Tottenham at a dollar45 ever, irrespective of who they're playing right now. But, that being said, I wouldn't feel comfortable wagering with Watford either. Although, you know, if you're looking at the handicaps, maybe the plus one, not the worst bet there, just given I I just don't see Tottenham outplaying anyone for a full 90 minutes anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I can see where you're coming from, but... This is home against Watford, so uh, let, let's 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 remember how um, how abysmal Watford have been in the league <laughs> this are. season. That's I, I don't think this is a fixture where they're going to uh,
0: see themselves turning things around. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, if you're Tottenham here, you're probably you know you're more than happy with scraping a one 0 win. I, no, I you yeah. know it's it's at a point already where. Performances right now don't matter. Yeah. It's just purely the results. Yeah, and I, finding a way to pick up the three points. I mean,
1: after a three nil loss against Brighton, yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The uh it, pick it up any way you can doesn't matter if it's ugly. Pochettino will be desperate to to put his team back
0: on track. Do you think losing Loris is a significant blow for them? I mean, he's, he's captain. I, for what it's worth, I don't think he should be, but that's another conversation altogether. But you know, how much of an impact do you think that has on that on the squad? Not just this weekend, but I think in the coming weeks anyway, while he's he's away. I uh, you know, he hasn't been in the best form yeah. this season. But, I, you know, anytime I think you lose a leader of any sort, it's it's gonna have an impact.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when things are going poorly, the last thing you want is to, to lose you know, the talisman. Of the club and no yeah you are right he hasn't been in the best form but on his day I still think he's one of the best keepers in the league mm. and you know I think he has been in that conversation in in bygone seasons, um you know for me that's that's an absolutely huge loss, uh one of the permanent fixtures in that squad one of the players that, Pochettino has really been able to rely on and. Look, you know, there's there's very few clubs that can adequately replace their um the their first choice keeper with someone that's nearly as good. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it just adds um more and more misery to Pochettino's situation.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Uh Bournemouth Norwich, like I said that that will probably be a fun game. Um yeah. given the way that both those teams set up and play I really like Bournemouth here. I think at a dollar seventy eight, it's it's a shortish price, but I still think there's value on that. Particularly at home, Norwich are just they're not good. <laughs> like <laughs> their,
1: their season has just completely unravelled yeah. since that Man City game. It's almost like okay, we've we've done what we came to accomplish <laughs> in the Premier League. We don't care what happens from here on in. Yeah. I mean, they they got spanked five one at home by Aston Villa yeah. in a six pointer.
0: Yeah. That's that's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, look. They're not a team I ever want to touch. Well, I'm hardly ever want to touch. Period. But particularly away from Carrow Road, oh, yeah. I think they. I think they travel as poorly as any team. Um, and whereas you know Bournemouth at home are are always a tough out, so to get a dollar seventy seven there is for me a terrific price personally. Uh, we've spoken about how good the Cherries are going forward. They're absolutely going to take advantage of what's a. As poor a back line as I can remember in recent memory in the yeah. Premier League. And look, don't get me wrong, they've got a, a ton of injuries themselves, you know, they've especially defensively, they've been paper thin and you know have had to come up with makeshift solutions, particularly in that Villa game, which obviously didn't help matters, but yeah. you know, you should never be losing five one at home, period, especially against a team that you know you're essentially fighting relegation with, yeah. or will be fighting relegation with uh but for the yeah in terms of this fixture here i personally think bournemouth are a terrific price even at somewhat shortish odds
1: yeah i i i can't look past um bournemouth in this fixture i think that you know that the, the wings have come off uh, norwich and it's going to be a really rough season for them
0: yeah <laughs> it's certainly panning out that <laughs> way that's for sure uh another game actually from from the those uh lunchtime fixtures that stands out to me. Aston Villa Brighton, I think is an interesting one. Uh Villa, obviously, like you said, coming off that huge 5 1 win, seem to have I don't want to say they've turned the corner just yet, but they they finally look like they're settling in to the Premier League. Yeah. The past couple of weeks, I think. Returning home for this game against another side who's likely going to be a relegation candidate themselves at the end of the season. Yeah. Who you know they'll be on a high, obviously, after that win over Tottenham. But I think yeah, traveling to Villa Park, I it's one of those fixtures where you you see so often a team who's come off such a big win, kind of just fall flat on their face the following, yep. you know, the following week or in this case the following match day in a couple of weeks. But from a, yeah, from a betting perspective, I just situationally and circumstantially, I think I really like Aston Villa here at two fifty. We spoke about
1: them, you know, really underperforming compared to their expected goals and, and their goal difference as well. I mean, you know, uh, for a team that's struggling, they've got a positive goal difference. Yeah. Um, they have scored more than they've conceded. And, you know, they've got a better goal difference than, you know, for example, Crystal Palace and West Ham, you know, who have yeah. praised.
0: Well, I, I actually think, especially at home, I actually think Villa are very good defensively. Yeah. And that's kind of why I really like them in this fixture, just because I don't think Brighton are anywhere near as good as a, that 3-0 scoreline suggests. I mean, you just have to look at the goals that they yeah. scored and you know, the fact that their expected goals, I don't even think it from memory it cracked one. Um, and that's not the first time it's happened either. The opening day against Watford, they won 3-0 with a 0.8 expected goals. So, you know, they're not necessarily a side that creates plenty of chances or clear-cut chances for that matter. Um, You know, they seem to take what they can from what they create. And in a fixture like this where, like I said, Villa, I think, are better defensively than they get credit for, I I can see them really struggling to get anything going. And, you know, at the other end of the field, I don't think Villa are lacking in confidence right now in front of goal, that's for sure. Well, well, they shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, I think
1: on paper, Villa are a better team. They're at home. We've looked at their expected goals. Um, by that metric, they're, they're a better team as well. Yeah. So they really should be um, strong favourites leading into this game. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't know what the opposite of clutch is. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> Whatever the opposite of clutch is, I, I feel like that is what Aston Villa have shown themselves to be this season. Yeah. At the most... Important moments of games, yeah, they crumble and they're conceding goals and they're giving up leads and basically, whenever things are going well, they allow the bad things
0: to to come into their game. Yeah, exactly right, and, and that, well, that's what I, I you know I said a few weeks ago where they've already dropped eight points from winning positions this season. Yeah, that's for a team who's going to still be there or thereabouts in that relegation scrap. That's enormous and you can't afford something like that. There you go. And, you know, that's my fear with
1: this team on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, you know, are they going to shoot themselves in the foot again?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if we'll play it, but my lean is certainly Aston Villa here. And I think at 250, you're probably going to get as good a price as you will across the weekend for a home side. 250 solid. Yeah, very solid at home. Uh, let's look at the late fixture for... The Saturday slates over in the UK. Crystal Palace welcoming Manchester City. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, Palace have done it before. Yep. That being said, you know, they did it away from home and we've spoken about how they're one of those rare teams who seem to perform better away from home for whatever reason. But, you know, their tails are up. I'm sure the players in that dressing room will feel they're capable of getting something from this game. Uh I don't believe they will. I yep. certainly wouldn't want to bet on them doing so. However, I certainly won't be betting on Manchester City at a dollar 26 or at a minus 2 handicap here because I don't think they win by 3 or more at Selhurst Park.
1: Look, as as shocked as I was by you know, the game against Norwich and the game against Wolves, Man City did show their ability to recover from a really poor result Um, by spanking Watford 8-0. And that was um, all- altogether just a much sharper, more aggressive um performance with a lot more intent. And you could see that they wanted to make amends for yes. the disaster of the previous week. And I think we are going to see City come out guns blazing with a point to prove. And, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be easy against Palace, but, you know, when City are on their game, um, they they have a way of um, making it easy. And
0: yeah. I, I, I can't bet against them. Yeah. As good as the price looks against them right now, just given what's gone on recently, you'd be a brave, brave man to do so. Uh, but, again, I certainly wouldn't be backing City... Obviously, ridiculously short odds, but I wouldn't even be backing them with a handicap here at minus two just because I don't think they win by three or more. Yeah, Uh, you know, Palace are are just too structured to concede a crazy number of goals in this one, and City are just too vulnerable at the back to say with any confidence that they'll actually keep a clean sheet either.
1: Yeah, no, it's look, I, I think there'll be goals. Uh, I don't think City keep the clean sheet, but I think they get the win.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know what? The the both teams to score at a dollar ninety. If you want to really play that game, would probably be the only market that stands out to me. Yeah, bit of value. Uh, jumping ahead now, we head to the Sunday fixture in the UK. Early Monday morning here, Manchester United Liverpool at Old Trafford. This mm-hmm. is before we get started. Our pun school best bet. Now we tipped it to members a couple of days ago. Liverpool at $1.80 for a two-unit play. Already dropped down to $1.75. Oh, actually. Sorry, just as I speak and refresh. Now dropped down to $1.73. Okay. It's dipping. It's dipping. It's still playable at $1.73. It's I would still recommend it as a two-unit play at that price. I'd be very, very shocked if it is anywhere over a dollar or even at a dollar seventy. Come kickoff. Uh <laughs> what's left to say about this fixture I mean <laughs> we highlighted I guess the difference between the two sides in the opening eight weeks of the season already at the start of this podcast United come into this one Paul Pogba's been ruled out yep. David De Gea has now been ruled out with injury Wambasaka's is questionable Anthony Martial's unlikely to play Luke Shaw's not playing this weekend a team who on top of being decimated by injury are just horrible right now. Yeah. Extremely one dimensional. Can't seem to score to save their lives. Have to play the best defence in the league with their star goalkeeper returning while also trying to keep one of the best attacks in Europe in check. I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think anything else really needs to be said. Like just go and bet that dollar seventy three while you still can.
1: Well, look, Josh. Liverpool were my biggest winner for the first quarter of the season, <laughs> and Man United were my uh, biggest loser. So I, I think that says it all what I feel about this game. Look, as I said, the only hope for Man United is, is if they can um, they can reach that next level because you know the rivalry is there, and this is a derby, and obviously, yeah. um, historically, in derbies, and you know we saw this a lot uh, with Manchester City before that, they, they had the big bucks and yeah. um, they were Man United's noisy neighbour. They always managed to pick up wins in that game. So if Man United can find that intensity and that physicality and, you know, really play to a level that we haven't seen from them this season or, you know, in the last six months or so, then
0: they have a chance. But... And look, I, I, it's worth noting that Liverpool went to Old Trafford last season when Solskjaer was there and only managed a point in a nil or draw. Yeah. And, I mean, circumstantially, things are different now for numerous reasons. The injuries being won, I think that De Gea injury is just, it's just the final dagger for what's already been such a painful season for United fans. The yeah. last thing you want is Sergio Romero in goal, in a fixture like this where you know he's going to face at least, or he's going to face upwards of 15 shots. You know, yeah. if six or seven of those are on target, do you really fancy him to keep out more than half? Look, I wonder
1: if uh, David De Gea is not breathing a sigh of
0: relief being ruled <laughs> out for this one. <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, look, that price is not going to last. We've, we've gotten on at $1.80. For those who aren't members, uh, you know, we have hit seven of our last eight free bets now on the podcast. I'm arrogantly going to say we're going to go and make it eight of the last nine.
1: Look, I, you know, I think one eighty is insane, Um, and I still think, what is it now, 173 is
0: fantastic, so... uh, It's a price almost based off of reputation and history. Uh, You know, it's... And, you know, like you said, this has that derby mentality to it, and derbies generally, you almost throw form out the window because anything can happen. And I guess maybe that's what bookies have factored in, or probably over-factored, I think, into this price. Because if you're looking at it team-for-team, Performances this season, expected goals, basically whatever metric you want to use statistically. Liverpool, we had them priced at a dollar fifty eight.
1: I was going to say I I would have them. I think one forty would be a fair price for Liverpool if you take out the rivalry and the history and you just look at the teams. Yeah. Surface value. Um, and those injuries. I mean. You know that makes it so much tougher. If, for the United, if
0: Juan Saka doesn't play. I I don't know how on earth the likes of what'll probably be Diego Dalit and Ashley Young keep Sadio Mane and Mo Salah in check. Yeah. That that's probably the most frightening part I think for United this weekend. Having said that,
1: I'm I'll have my eyeballs on this game. Yeah. I'm very interested to watch Yeah, you you
0: and a lot of other people, that's for sure. <laughs> but like I said, guys, if you're listening and you're going to get on this free play get on it now because i can assure you that price is not going to sit around for the weekend. Um with that let's look at the final fixture of the of match day 9 which won't be until what will be the tuesday morning our time. Arsenal travel to bramall lane. Very tough t- trip for everyone this season. Yeah. Arsenal at $2 uh probably even at that price a little bit overvalued for me. I think, you know, I I tipped the Gunners to be a top four side this season. Yeah. We had the Gunners to finish in the top four as an official punt school play. I still hope that they do, but even though they're sitting where they are on the table, they're certainly not performing at a level that sort of reflects the results that they've been getting so far this season. Yeah, And I certainly don't touch them here. I actually really like Sheffield United in this spot with the handicap uh, of plus 0.5 so Sheffield or draw is essentially the same play here and to get a $1.90 on that one I think is a really, really good bit of value Well, you know
1: Sheffield is one of the teams that I really considered to be my um, you know, my winner for the first quarter yeah, of me, the season, me too. they absolutely exceeded expectation um, you know, and they've been tight in, in every game Uh you know for a team coming up um you know maybe on paper one of the weakest teams in the league uh you'd expect at some point to have an off day and to lose three nil yeah Uh, even two nil i don't think they've lost by more than a single goal no i don't think off the top of my head they have either no 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 yeah so they've lost a couple of games but they've been by um single goal margins single goal margins and i think that tells you everything you need to know about this team it's just a really uh Really tight unit. Um, yeah. they're going to make it difficult for you to to score, and um, they've also shown the ability to punish teams. Yeah. As well. Having said that, you know Arsenal do have a um a, a sickening front line um that can destroy you on their
0: day. Um, exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. On their day, you know, if you if you can guarantee me we're going to get the best Arsenal, I would tell you to absolutely take two dollars because it's a steal. But yeah. they're yet to show me that they can show up in fixtures like this, particularly away from home. I don't yeah. think they've looked good away from home at all this season in any fixture they've played. Uh, and that goes back to the opening day at Newcastle. You know, that yeah. we spoke about it at the time, that 1-0 scoreline wasn't, wasn't exactly the most convincing win against a team who we obviously think very little of. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you go through from there, they just they're not a side who seems to be able to put their best foot forward away from home and I think a lot of that comes down to how Emery likes to set up right now and he seems to want to be more conservative and sort of play on the counter and if they get a goal then sit back and absorb pressure and almost defend that lead which yeah. is always a dangerous recipe let alone when you've got David Louise and Socrates as your centre-backs but you know this fixture for me I, it just it just screamed Sheffield united, yeah, uh, I wouldn't take them to win, but I, again, at the handicap where you know or with the the double chance, however you wanna word it, Sheffield United to pick up at least a point at a dollar ninety, you know for me yeah that that's that's definitely worth a shot at evens,
1: yeah, I like it, look, you know i I can't um make a confident prediction for this match and you know that's really a testament to to Sheffield United and um you know the, the the what they've shown us in in terms of their ability to um to surprise big teams and we've seen them do it and you know as we said personally this is not a game i think that i would i would like to touch
0: yeah put it that way yeah uh, i don't know if we'll actually go through and touch it but my li- Excuse me, my lean right now is certainly in favour of the home side, I think, to pick up a point. Yes. Uh, and that'll be it for match day nine, but not without our jersey giveaway, surge. <laughs> Guys, we have five five of you on three points. All you have to do is get the scoreline or goal scorer right, and you will win the jersey of your choice. I've called it. It's going to happen this week. It's, it's going to be one of you. It's... Or it couldn't be neither of you and just someone who hasn't even got a point yet but gets the two right. True,
1: yeah, yeah, good point.
0: Either way, let's give this goddamn jersey away, please, so we can move on to further <laughs> competitions. Now, Man United versus Liverpool is a feature game. Serge, <laughs> you know what to do. First goal scorer, correct scoreline, go. All right. How outrageous can you get this week? Is the real question. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna go. I'm gonna go four one, Liverpool. Decent. I don't
0: know if I, I don't even know if I would call that outrageous. It's probably not that outrageous. The one is probably the most outrageous part. But I don't know, I'm gonna give you the most outrageous part right
1: <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm going Trent Alexander Arnold for first goal scorer. But that's
0: I look. He did it at Stamford Bridge. There you go, that's a free There you go, there you go. I I like that a lot. I uh, I I I'm quite confident that my guess will come a lot closer, but I still like it nonetheless. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with three 0 Yeah, Liverpool. Same margin. Uh, same margin. That's true. And for first goal scorer. I'm gonna change it up. Let me get outrageous this week. For first goal scorer, I'm gonna go Joel Matip. Wow! Off a corner. (laughs) Speaking of set pieces, so you have your free kick. I'm gonna go off a corner. Yep, yep. The big lanky Matip coming up with a thundering header into the top corner. That's uh. I like it. That's mine for this week. But as always, guys, all you have to do is comment on this podcast post. Be it Facebook, be it Twitter. Your first goal scorer, the correct score line. If you get it, you win the jersey of your choice. If you're one of the five... I probably should have had the names of the five up on screen actually so I could read them out, but I don't. And I'm not going to scroll through my Twitter feed right now (laughs) to find them. But the five of you who have already hit at least one of those three times if you hit another one this week, you will win a jersey of your choice. You know what I have a really sneaking suspicion? What? We're going to have to give away a Man United jersey after this week. (laughs) What
1: happens if two people get it?
0: I guess we get two jerseys.
1: Okay. So there's a possibility you could be giving away uh, multiple jerseys this
0: week. Absolutely, yeah. Just hopefully no more than two (laughs) because I have to explain to the missus why I'm buying four jerseys. So So we're going to get a lot of. Safety first, nil nil
1: bets. Maybe I don't even know if that that score line is safe in this
0: fixture. I, that's what I was going to say I don't know what the safe score line is in this fixture. I think if you want to be safe, you probably take someone like Mane first goal scorer. Yeah, true. That's probably statistically speaking the safest bet you got. You know, tip you could make on either of those in terms of the score line. I don't even know. Yeah. What's the favorite? uh the favored favourite bookie scoreline is something like 2-1 I guess 2-0 two 2-0 nil. Two nil. okay so there you go if you want the safest mathematical <laughs> pick it is my first goal scorer and Liverpool 2-0 for what it's worth but um, look let's give them away and let's move on to our next giveaway after that Serge that's it for match day 9 it'll be good to have it all back and in a week's time we'll certainly have plenty more to get through been a pleasure, Josh. Looking forward to next week. Guys, thanks again for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, review if you haven't already. Share the podcast around, and we will do it all again in a week's time. Thanks.